0: Would you please stand with me for the reading of God's Word today? Isaiah's Gospel, Isaiah chapter 54, I'm going to be reading from uh, today. Isaiah 54, let me get it up here in front of me. Isaiah 54, we're going to start with verse number 1. Isaiah 54, verse number 1. Shout for joy, O barren one, you who have borne no child... Break forth into joyful shouting and cry aloud, you who have not travailed, for the sons of the desolate one will be more numerous than the sons of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Spare not. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your pegs. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your descendants will possess nations and will resettle desolate cities. And may God and his blessings upon his word today. You may be seated. I want to talk today about lengthening and strengthening your life. Lengthening and strengthening your life. One person said a person wrapped up himself makes an awfully small package. What size person are you? Do you see yourself as a river or as a reservoir? Do you come to get more than you give or do you come to leave more than you take? Do you see yourself as one in addition, or do you see yourself as one in multiplying? Do you see yourself as a container, or do you see yourself as a channel? See, I really do believe the philosophy, if God can get it through you, God will give it to you. He didn't save us to sit soaking sour while this world goes to a devilish hell. He called us to enlarge our life, to strengthen our life. Listen to what Isaiah said. He said, Enlarge your tent. He says, Spare not your resources. He says, I'm getting ready to do something significant. He says, I'm getting ready to do something miraculous. And he says, I want you to prepare your life for it. And I hope and pray that what God's been laying upon my heart, he will deposit down deep in every one of our hearts this morning. And I hope that you will write some thoughts down. And when you get home, you'll put it on a four by six card. And after you... Put it on a four-by-six card that you'll take it and put it on your refrigerator door. You say, why should we do that? Because we go there a lot. Sometimes some of us go more than others. Learn it. God wants to lengthen and he wants to strengthen our lives. First of all, I believe what God has for us is the children that God desires, The children that God desires. He says to the nation of Israel, he says, you're going to have to enlarge your tent because more children are on their way. From places where they should not be coming, he says, to the desolate woman, he says, rejoice because your descendants are going to be more than the married woman. He says, what I'm doing is done in a different way. What is being done is done in a supernatural manner. It is the children that God desires. Some time ago, a, um, a consultant went to a company and he was trying to enlarge them. He was trying to get them to see further. And so he put a big black dot on the screen. And he, he asked uh, them. He said, what do you see? Lady said, I see a big black dot. Said to a gentleman, what do you see? Oh, I see that big black dot. But no one said, I see all the white space around a black dot. All they focused on was the black dot. Now listen to me today. Oftentimes, our prayer is focused on ourselves. Now, does God want to take care of our needs? He does. Does God want to heal our bodies? He does. Does God want to provide for us financially in our homes? He does. Does God want to enlarge our influence in places where we work? He does. But ladies and gentlemen, so much of our prayer is just focused on the black dot. It doesn't get past ourselves. See when we pray we also need to pray for a lost and dying world. We also need to pray Lord send us labors into the harvest field. Why? Because Jesus said pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'd send labors into the harvest field. We've got, we, it's, it's important that we pray for our children, that we pray for our marriages, we pray for our families, that we pray for our physical and fi- financial well-being. But ladies and gentlemen, we also got to lift up our eyes. We got to get past. We got to start taking the long look and not just a short look and ask God to bring children into the kingdom of God. Ask God to make men and women come underneath the conviction of the Holy Spirit that they might be saved and brought into the kingdom of God. We've got to get past this, me, myself, and I. You know, the average Christian, when they come to church, they're listening to their favorite radio station. Do you know what it is? It is the radio station that simply focuses on helping them only to become better rather than focusing also on the lost and dying world. See, most of us think about what's in it for me. WIFM is our favorite radio station. But sooner or later, we got to get past WIFM and we got to get to WIFJ what's in it for Jesus? Most people in America, we are so self centered. We're so focused on ourselves. We've got to get past it. We need spiritual children. I want to ask you a question today. I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable. If you were to go home today and take out a piece of paper and write down the names of the people that you have personally led to Jesus Christ, how many names would you have on that list? Some of us would have a lot of names. Some of us have a few. Some of us have none. You do know that everything we work for here, we're leaving behind. You you do know that, right? You you do know that you'll never see the U-Haul attached to the hearse on the way to the cemetery. You understand that, right? Everything we have, we're leaving here. Everything we become, we take to God. We do understand that, right? Jesus Christ didn't die for buildings. He didn't die for padded pews and nice carpet, air-conditioned. And we thank God for all that, especially on a nice Florida day in Syracuse, right? But he died for people. He died for people who live within our driving distance, walking distance. I challenge you to start praying, Lord, help me to be a soul winner. Lord, help me to see men and women come into the kingdom of God. Help me to multiply your work in the people who have yet to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Spiritual children. We also need spiritual mothers and fathers. Paul would write to the church in Corinth and he would say this, there are 10,000 teachers, but only a few spiritual fathers. And then he said this, and I am your spiritual father. Are you a spiritual father to someone? Are you a spiritual mother to someone? In other words, are you discipling someone? Are you multiplying someone? Or do you just say, I'm so busy? When I get an email from somebody that says, James, I'm sorry I'm six months late, but I've been busy. I think, well, finally met somebody that's busy because the rest of us, we're just lazy. We're all busy. We all have a lot going on. But ladies and gentlemen, we've got to move from addition to multiplication. And until we become spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers, we'll never multiply. It is so important We have got to learn how to invest and influence and instill into the people coming behind us what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Usually, the first generation generates, the second generation motivates, the third generation speculates, and the fourth generation dissipates. Usually, we start off well as Christians, but sooner or later, we just get tired and we get old, and Christianity dies. That's not the way God wants it to be. That's not the way God wants it to be in Bowlesville and Syracuse. God wants us to become spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers and learn how to multiply people in the saving work of Jesus Christ. It's what this church is all about. And I challenge you to become that disciple maker, to become that person that says, I'm not just going to pray. That the tent gets bigger. I'm going to help the tent to get bigger. The children that God desires. Secondly, the covering that God designs. The covering that God designs. He he, he says, "I've I've got a tent for you. He says, spare not. He says, lengthen. He says, strengthen. And notice how he says it. He says, enlarge your tent. Spare not your resources. Lengthen your course. He's saying, get bigger. Get ready. Because I've got something for you. You see, a lot of people, they say, well, I'll get bigger when it gets here. You miss it. A lot of people see an opportunity coming, but the reason they miss it is because they're not big enough for the opportunity. And the opportunity just rolls right past them. You start You start enlarging yourself before the opportunity gets you. You start preparing yourself long before the day arrives. Before David would go out and face Goliath, he would have to handle some small stuff that made him bigger. And when the big stuff came, he ran to it. Don't flee from the fear. Run to it and get bigger. The covering that God designs... Do you see yourself as a small person in the eyes of God, or do you see yourself as a growing person in the eyes of a mighty big God? You know, some people, they have a small pie mentality. They just believe that there's just not that much going around so that I'm going to be greedy going to get what I can get. Listen, my friend, there are no problems in heaven, only plans for our lives. The Holy Trinity never meets in an emergency session and says, oh, we didn't see this problem coming. What are we going to do now? God already has a plan for your life before the problem knocks on your door. God doesn't make mistakes. He orders our steps and our stops. And if you believe it, say amen. He does. We have to enlarge our life. A small person has small thoughts about God. You see, a small person has a small focus in leadership. He, he, he or she doesn't see very far down the road. They're just trying to hack it through Monday. They, they are, are to hack it through Tuesday. Now, I realize we got to take care of the nitty-gritty. I realize we have to take care of the details. I think I'm a pretty detailed guy. But also, we've got to get our heads up. We've got to get our eyes on the horizon. We've got to see the path that God wants us to, to walk on. We don't need to have a small focus. We need to have a large focus. I wear contact lenses. I've worn contacts my entire adult life. Started wearing them when I was 17. I'm 58 now. I started wearing glasses when I was two. I have a very strong prescription. For those of us in this room who wear glasses, my glasses are 8.3. Everybody went. Oh my goodness, are you blind? No, I'm not. I don't got contacts on right now, uh, but my prescription is so strong on a sunny day like today, I can go out and refract light and melt steel. That's how strong my prescription is. <laughs> Superman doesn't have anything over on me, but when I take my glasses off, it's not focused. When I put them on, it's focused. We need to see through God's lens. We need to see through God's eyes. We need to ask God, enlarge my vision, enlarge myself. Help me to see what's coming my way and help me to prepare myself for it. We don't want to have a small focus on leadership. We don't want to have a small faith in God. See, people who have small thoughts about God, they have a small faith in God. They they just don't believe God can take care of the big stuff. They they know God's the creator of the universe, but they just don't think God can take care of the big stuff. Did you know, ladies and gentlemen, it is a compliment when we ask God to do something big in our life? Because we're saying to God, that's who you are. You are are a mighty creator. You are a magnificent master. You are the king of the universe. And we're recognizing the size of the Lord. But those who have small thoughts about God and small thoughts about life, they have a small focus in leadership and they have small faith in God. I don't claim to have a very large faith in God, but I'm going to tell you what when you put your faith in God, your faith becomes the size that's necessary to take care of the problems coming your way. It's not faith in faith, it's not hope in hope, it's faith in God. If you please the Lord, it really doesn't matter who you displease. But if you displease the Lord, it doesn't matter who you please. And the Bible says in Hebrews 11 verse 6, it's impossible to please God without faith. If it is impossible, and it is, then we ought to pray, God, increase my faith. Enlarge my life. That I trust and believe that you will take care of me, my future, and this world for the glory of Jesus Christ. Oh, small focus, small faith. But i tell you what else they have. They have a big frustration in life. It doesn't take much to upset them. You ever been around somebody like that? Before the paper hits the ground, they already got four paragraphs on criticism. You know, critics have mastered criticism. Cynics have mastered cynicism. Don't make the critics and your cynics the closest friends in your life. Every one of us sometimes has to work with somebody like that. But it doesn't mean he or she has to be the closest friend in our life. You see, God wants to enlarge us. And when we get bigger, then the little things don't bother us as much. Some time ago, I was flying out of DFW Airport. Don't really like that airport that much. I like the renovations and the updates that were done over the last two or three years over the Syracuse airport. Uh, Big advancements. You ever been out there? Big advancements compared to where it was. You understand that, right? Okay. You know, I know a lot about airports. Trust me. I have spent months and months of my life in airports. And and so I'm down at DFW airport, and uh, we got up early to catch a flight to Baltimore, And so the plane was running late. And we were there before 6 a.m. to catch this flight. Plane's running late. Lady comes on the microphone, and she says, uh, plane's late because of mechanical delay. And the guy sitting next to me, I thought he was just going to, you know, have a coronary. He was so upset. I mean, he's aggravated, mumbling and complaining. And and, uh, he walks up to the lady on the other side of the counter and starts yelling at her like that's going to do something about it. That's right. Make her mad. She may cancel the flight. Go ahead. (laughs) And he's yelling at her, and I could hear what he's saying. I got up early this morning. I thought to myself, man, we all got up early before the roosters got up. What's your deal? And he says, I may miss my meeting in Baltimore. And he was just aggravated. And he comes back and sits back down next to me. And I looked over and I said, you know, you, you know, you, you, you may fly more than I do. And I said, but I've learned something about these mechanical delays. He said, what's that? I said, I've learned that it's a lot easier to fix these things on the ground than it is up there. Now, if you don't like this experience, we get up there with a broken plane, you're not going to like that experience. I said, I don't really care how long it takes. I just want the plane fixed before we get up there. Amen. I have been on planes where the engines went out. I was on one plane one time trying to go into Chicago when the wheels wouldn't go down. I have been in thunderstorms. I thought this was it. If the plane's running late, who cares? Just get it fixed. You know why it doesn't bother me? Because I've been through some of it. Get it fixed. But a small person complains and bickers and fusses. A small person, it's never just right. A small person is always focused again on WIFM, what's in it for me. And they're so focused on it. They mimic it, they murmur about it, and they miss what God has for us. But ladies and gentlemen, that's not what we're going to do. I said, that's not what we're going to do. We're going to enlarge our tent. We're going to enlarge our lives. We're going to ask God to do something greater than he's ever done before in word of life for the glory of God. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. The children that God desires, the covering that God designs, but third and last, the conviction that God demands. Now, we're going to have a little turbulence. You may want to put on your pew belt a little bit, but it's going to be all right. We're going to have a safe landing, Everything's going to work out all right. No engine's going to go out. He says, and you got to tighten those cords. Now, why do we have to tighten those cords? Because when you're enlarging your tent, if you don't make the tent covering taunt and tight... When it does rain, the weight of the water will cause the bigger tent to collapse. So while we're building bigger, we have to dig deeper. If we don't dig deeper and make the cords tighter, as it gets bigger, it will collapse. This is a fact. And that's why God is saying to us today... Not only just lengthen those cords and make that tent bigger, but he's saying, get those tent pegs in as deep as we possibly can. I believe the tent peg of priority is necessary. The tent peg of priority. Now, when we came to know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we didn't say to the Lord, we're going to be faithful to you 99% of the time. When I got married, I didn't say to my lovely wife, Sherry, and we've been married 33 years now. I didn't say to my lovely wife, Sherry, now, by the way, I'm going to be faithful 99%. You can count on me for 99%. No, no, she's suspecting 100%. When I got saved in July 15, 1973, B.C., B.C. stands for before computer and before cell phone. That's when I got saved, July 15, 1973, When I came to know Christ as my personal savior, I became a follower of Jesus and I gave him 100% of my life. Now, there is one place where Jesus Christ will not work, folks, and that's in second place. He's not looking for a place, he's looking for the place. He's not looking for second place, he's looking for first place. And that's where the blessing is. I said, that's where the blessing is. And that's where the victory is. And that's where the open heaven is. Not in second place, but in first place. It's called the tent peg of priority. I want to challenge every one of us to make sure that Jesus Christ is front and center every day in our life. Not half the days, but all the days. And we need to be faithful to study the Bible. Amen. Now, I'm going to make a challenge to everyone one of us in this room that in the next year you'll read the Bible through. In the next 12 months. Not going to get many amens right now. Because we are becoming biblically illiterate. Have you ever read the Bible through? When was the last time you did it? Do you just read your favorite passages? Now, we all have our favorite passages. But do you read all the Bible? If you took out the pages out of the Bible that you don't read, how big would your Bible be? You say, well, I just don't like Leviticus. Well, then just rip it out. When you get home, just tear it out and throw it away. You don't read it anyway. You say, James, that's pretty drastic. Well, you say, well, I don't really get much blessing out of Numbers. Well, did you know Numbers is just as much as inspired as Philippians? Did you know that? God must have thought it was important or he wouldn't have put it in there. You say, well, you know, the book of Revelation has all these metaphors and symbols. I can't, can't really figure it out, so I just don't read it. Really? Well, the Bible says there's a special blessing when you do read it. So when you don't read it, you're missing out on a blessing. I want to challenge every one of us in this room to read the Bible through in the next 12 months. Let me ask you a question. What's worse? A person in the Himalaya mountains who's never gotten a copy of the Bible and therefore cannot read it, or a Christian living in America who has a Bible and does not read it. Which is worse? The Hebrew writer says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? He didn't say, how shall we escape if we reject He said, how shall we escape if we neglect? It's the lost that reject, but it can be the saved that neglects. And at the end of the day, neglecting, listen to me, is worse than rejecting because we know better, we know more, we chose to shelve it and not do what's called by by Almighty God Himself. The tent peg, a priority. We need to put Jesus first in our life. Amen. The tent peg of power. The tent peg of power. There's nothing worse than us having an outdated touch of God upon our life. God wants us to be a fresh touch on our life every day. Fresh anointing every day. A fresh touch every day. Can you imagine if I call my two lovely daughters down for breakfast? I have two amazing girls who are 13 and 18. And I'm showing you pictures of them before. I can't believe I have an 18-year-old now. And um, both of them we adopted from mainland China. Extraordinary young ladies, and I thank God for them. But can you imagine? I said, hey, Olivia, hey, Priscilla, head on down for breakfast. And they come down to the table. They sit down. First, they don't say anything because they're trying to figure it all out. And they uh, look down at that, that, that toasted bread that's green. And they say, what, what's that green on there? Oh, that's mold. But it's toasted mold. But dad, I don't think it's going to be good for us. How do you know you haven't tried it yet? In fact, if you don't like the taste, I brought some strawberry jam for you and put it right across the top of it. My girls be looking at dad like, man, he finally lost it. And by that time they pour some of that milk out and there's clumps in that milk. And there's kind of a stench coming out of the jug. And they say, what? what's wrong with that? Oh, that's spoiled milk, girls. But I promise you, after this breakfast, you'll never forget it the rest of your life. You say, well, no dad's going to do that. That's right. No dad worth his salt is going to do that. But there's nothing worse than a Christian trying to serve God today with a touch from God yesterday. God wants there to be fresh power in our lives every day. Day, every day. See, it's so important. See, what happens sometimes is that after we've been around this thing for a while, we start taking this thing for granted. And we just get like Samson, we get up one day and we say, "I'll go fight on the promise there's no power there." It's so important there be a fresh touch upon our life every day. Before you go out to work or before you go to school, whatever it may be, get alone with God. Say, God, freshly anoint my life today. Freshly fill me with the Holy Spirit today because you know what's going to be out there. And I don't want to just try to overcome it in my effort. I want the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. Oh, the 10-peg of power. The 10-peg of persistence. Persistence. You know, um, you can tell the, the size of a person by what it takes to stop the person. Some people stop over little things because they're small people. The great apostle Paul, you couldn't stop him. Now, the great apostle Paul wasn't some big burly man. He was short. And but you couldn't stop him. You know, you throw him in the memory time prison in Rome, and he'll write first and second Timothy. You throw him in another prison, he'll write Philippians. You get him out of prison, he'd go down and plant churches in Ephesus, or he'd go in Mars, Mars Hill in Athens. You could never stop him. Even on the day they would drag him out of Mamertown Prison and take him less than a mile away and take his head and cut it off right next to the river, Paul was faithful to the very end because that's the size person he was. He, you stone him, he gets up. Get in a shipwreck, he gets to the other side. That's what we admire about him. And at the very end, he would say to Timothy, I've fought a good fight. I have finished the race. And laid up before me is this prize that Christ has for me. And those who also persevere. Persistence. Ladies and gentlemen, we need a fresh dose of enthusiasm, a fresh dose of persistence, a fresh dose, dose that says, I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to stay faithful until what God has called me to is done for the glory of the Lord. Persistence. <laughs> that we're faithful to God's house in sunshiny days and in rainy days. Not just when it's convenient, but when it's inconvenient. The tent peg of persistence. But last, the tent peg of provision. You know, all of us in this room, I believe, believe this truth, that you can't outgive give God. You can't. His shovel's bigger than yours. You can't outgive give Him. He says, you give and it shall be given back. Press down, shaken together. And it, He says, it will run over. Now, we don't give to get. That's not the philosophy. But God says, try me. And see what I'll do. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't tip God. Some people have this idea, well, I gave a, I gave an offering. What was it, at least a tithe? Well, no, I, you know, I, I don't know. And then I people say, well, I don't, I don't believe in tithing. Well, God does. You say, well, I'm a New Testament Christian. Well, don't bring up that argument. Because the Lord started talking about tithing before there was even an Old Testament when Melchizedek and Abraham and Abraham gave his tithe, people say, well, that's an Old Testament thing. No, no, it was pre-Old Testament. And if you don't, like, you don't like that, you won't like New Testament. The Bible says they gave everything away in the New Testament to meet the need. So you don't like the, the 10%. Well, you're not going to like the 100%. The point is this. God has been so generous with us We are to be generous to him. He knows how to take care of our needs, our necessities, and even our niceties. And I challenge us today to ask God for great provision. We ought to pray, God, open up the windows of heaven. And pour out a blessing that's bigger than we 've ever seen before. Why? Because we want to be a part of bringing children to the kingdom of God. We want to be about spiritual mothers and fathers. We want to be about glorifying your name, not just here but the furthest corner point of this earth. Open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings that magnify and glorify you. Enlarge our tent. Help us be a part of something that is bigger than ourselves. And with this, I'm finished. The late Dr. Bill Bright passed away 16 years ago Friday. He was the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ. Every year when it comes around that year, that day, I ponder and think about his life. He was a significant figure in Christendom. God put something in his heart. He founded what's called Campus Crusade for Christ out in California. And when he graduated for eternity, they had 27,000 full-time staff in the world. Can you imagine that? All over the world. And one day we were, I was at his condo. And we were, uh, we were talking about the things of the Lord. And we had just had some people come over to the um, to the, to the house, to his condo, and we were uh, talking about giving to the work of the Lord. And um, so after the people had left, these business people had left, I looked at Dr. Bright. I said, Dr. Bright, I, <clears throat> I noticed that you asked all these business leaders for a million dollars each. He said, yes. I said, you know, man, that's a big ask. 35 people here, and you asked them for a million dollars each. He said, yes, I did. I said, you know, I just don't know that we did a good enough job in planning for this. He goes, oh, James, it's always a compliment to ask somebody to do something big with their life. He said, James, never forget it. He said, I asked all these businessmen at this table to do that because they, one, they can, two, and they ought to, and they ought to believe God for something big in their life. And I said, okay. And I said, um, I, I said I really want to serve the best I can all these years ahead after you've gone to be with the Lord. And then he looked at me and he said this to me. Now, don't miss this. He said, James, I've been praying for years that God would send a thousand people my way to invest at least a million dollars each into the fulfillment of the Great Commission. 697 people have already done that. Did you hear what I just said? Now, you heard what I just said, right? He'd been praying for a 1,000. Before he died, 697 already done it. And then he looked at me and he said this. James, when you ask God to open the windows of heaven, when you ask God to do something big and huge and significant in your life, it is a compliment to God because you're saying, God, I know you're big. I know there is no limit in your resources. I know there are no problems in heaven. And I'm asking you to do something that's beyond my ability so that I might be a blessing in this world. And he's been gone 16 years, and I still learn from him every day. And God is looking for people today in this building who will say, Lord, enlarge my tent. Strengthen my life lengthen my life. Help me to believe you in this season of my life that you have huge things prepared for me and help me to walk in them for the glory of the Lord. Would you please stand with me in this sacred gathering today? So our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed in this service today. I have pondered and prayed over exactly what I would say today in this beautiful service and from the very beginning of this service today, the Holy Spirit has been hovering and the Holy Spirit has been ministering throughout this entire entire time we've been together. As our eyes are closed in this sacred gathering, in a moment, I'm going to count to three. And if you can say with integrity, Lord, I want you to enlarge my life. I want you to enlarge my tent. Lord, make me bigger. Make me bigger. Help me to see further. Help me to get past the black dot. Lord, and help me to be a part of what you're a part of in these last days. Lord, enlarge my tent. Make me bigger. Make me stronger than I've ever been for your glory. That's what I want in my life. When I count to three, if you can say that with integrity, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand and keep it up in this sacred gathering today. One, two, three. If that's you, just lift your hand. Just put it up in this sacred gathering today. My hand is up, up today, too. Dear Heavenly Father, you see the hands that are lifted here today. And Lord, we're asking you to do something large in our life, something significant in our life for your glory and for your honor.